Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud, the only program on the internet, radio or otherwise, that is solely dedicated to your Dayton Flyers. Welcome in again. It is Thursday. It is a new episode, and I am your host, Sully, ready in the cockpit of the radio business here and ready to give you another radio show. And I have Drew with me, as I often do, to get into our last, I guess I could call it the last preseason show, Drew, or or does, I guess next week still kind of counts as a preseason show. Next week still counts as a preseason show, but we're going to have way more material to work with after next week as opposed to what we're working with currently. That's true. Um, And if you're you're just joining the podcast for the first time, if you're listening on the radio, that's totally fine. But we're on episode eight, people. I mean, we've been cranking them out. And if you want to go back through our catalog, which you should if you haven't listened to our other episodes, um, we've done a little bit of everything here in the preseason. I mean, we've had multiple people on to talk about A-10 previews. Uh, We talked to David Jablonski once. The three-man weave did an A-10 preview. They were with us. We went through the non-con schedule, the scheduling dilemmas. We had interviews with Larry about the context of the season. 
Uh, we even had a player profile with Jordan Seibert. All of these things have taken place before a single ball was tipped in UD Arena. Um, so, I mean, we could take this time to pat ourselves in the back, but on we must press because we are here to do one thing, and that is talk about Dayton Hoops. As of this recording on uh, October 27th, releasing to you on the 28th, we are 13 days away. So the time it gets to you, we are 12 short days away from the first game of the season. And, and Drew, you were on the fence about going to the exhibition here on Monday night because you said if you're going to jump back into the arena and you know you're you're gonna you're gonna go full in, you don't want it to do it. You didn't want to do it on an exhibition game. Is that right? Correct. I. It's kind of strange, but it's been such a long time. And that, uh, here's a little tease for you. The trivia question is going to involve the Ooh. last time that a game was played at UD Arena with a full crowd. But, I, yeah, I kind of want the – when I go back for the first time and I genuflect at the front doors before mm-hmm. I walk in, I want it to be the real thing. So I don't want to go to the exhibition game. I don't want to go back into the arena and have it not mean – I mean, obviously, it would mean something going back there, but the game doesn't mean anything particular to our record and our standing. So the first game when I go back on November 9th, is it's going to be the first time in a long time that I've been there, and I'm very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a long time for a lot of people. I was in the small, small, small minority of people that was actually able to get tickets and go into the arena for a game last year. Um, and I'll be the first to tell you, listeners, you weren't missing anything. Literally not missing a thing. Uh, it, just being in an arena for a quiet game, Larry said it as the first episode of the season this year, it, it never got normal. There was never a sense of normalcy in anything that we were doing or watching. It always felt like we were living in this dystopian reality when you were in an arena of a game that very much mattered, but the people there make it feel like it matters. Um, Before you get to the rest of the show tonight, we will start there about the expectations context of the Dayton basketball season. Uh, The show tonight, we have special guest Jonathan Macri of Nick's film school to give you Dayton flyer fans an update on how our boy Obi is doing in the big apple. And then we will close the show out tonight. The way we always do with some trivia and general musings about the flyers. But I wanted to start there about the context of the season because it has been quite some time uh, since March 12th, 2020. If you're a Dayton Flyers fan of any amount of time, die hard. Um, If you're a fair weather, if you're right in the middle of those two things, the day probably hit you just as hard as anybody else. Um, And every fan and every uh, corner of Dayton Flyers fandom was affected on that day when, of course, uh, the season was announced that it was canceled, no conference tournaments, no NBA tournaments. And for the show opening tonight, I thought it was it was apt to go down memory lane, Drew, because last season um, was hard. It, and and I, I don't mean it was like hard on me personally or anything like that. Like my life did not change because of the results of the Dayton basketball games. Neither did you listener, but we care about the program and we watch all the games, but it was definitely hard. And and I'll bring back the curtain for people to have this radio show. It was hard to keep talking about a team that you knew wasn't that good. And it was hard to kind of watch the guys go through the motions at the end of the season because they know they knew full well that they weren't that good of a team and they were never really able to put it together as one collective unit. So I ask all Dayton Flyer fans, let's start fresh. It has been such a long time now. We're talking over a year and a half since our, our hearts were broken. 
And it's time to move forward with a brand new team in AG era number two, right? Um, I think everything that everybody thought the Dayton program could be came to fruition in 2020. We had the NBA prospect, right? We had the seniors that stayed in Dayton to give it one more go and took the program to new heights. I'm, of course, talking about Landers and Mike Sell. We had the young guys that came on like Jalen Crutcher to kind of be the best version of themselves like he did junior year. All those pieces were there. And we've talked about for years here on this program and in Flanagan's Pub and in Milano's and every other bar in Dayton that this program can be that more years than it's not. And when it finally was, I think a lot of people were vindicated. They were validated. They felt like they were watching the program become what it was always supposed to be. And that's what made last season so difficult was when you go from the highest of the highs to a season like we watched last year and the lowest of the lows, really, when you look at losing the Fordham game, I I can hand wave how you felt as a fan. And I asked that you hand wave how I felt as a fan because, Drew, I, I think I'll let you in here, but towards the end of the year last year, I think I got pretty sour on this program towards the Flyers for a multitude of reasons. But I, you know, how did you take last season? How did you internalize it? I mean, I think now I can take a step back and say I was maybe overly critical of the things on the court because I, I wanted to regain that success so badly. And it felt like it was slipping away from us as fans so rapidly. And there was nothing the team on the floor could do. And of course, there's nothing you as a fan can do. So there was definitely some self-reflection to say, hey, let's hit the reset button. You know, last year did not go the way that that we wanted to, but we can all apologize to ourselves and others by maybe having expectations too high or not caring at all because last year was so weird. But I felt like it was an apt place to start, Drew, and I wanted to get your feelings on on last season and now that it's in the rear view, you know, how we can kind of move forward for the next one, which is hopefully going to be pretty exciting. It was the lack of moments. Yeah. You know, there weren't any moments like Jalen Crutcher, you know, owning St. Louis on the road again. But even that wasn't the same. No. It, it just college sports in general last year, I'm speaking both on basketball and football. I just could never really fully get into it because 50%, maybe more of college athletics and college sports are about the atmospheres these kids are playing in. Yeah, and with no atmosphere, even when it's not UD Arena, even when it's when Dayton goes on the road to you know the Caffeinasium or you know to Shafitz, it, it's all about those environments and moments and things like that. And how did I internalize it? A lot of banging my head against the wall, but I think I had some clarity about midway through the Atlantic Ten season last year. I had some clarity that look, I think in the long run we're not going to look back on this season and remember much, if anything. It's going to be a year that well, we we'll remember losing a Fordham, but <laughs> but still, even then, like I will remember. You t- that. Can you tell me like are, you remember it? You remember that we lost, yeah. but can you tell me one detail from that game? Can you can you tell me how we lost to Fordham? Uh, no. Well, yes, specifically, I remember there were nine seconds left. This is probably the only game of the season that I could do this. I'm going to be fair to your question because I can see what you're getting at here. But yes, I remember that we had the ball. I remember there being around nine seconds left. I remember that Dayton ran a very half-assed play that I did not necessarily think was concocted in the correct fashion. And we got a really bad contested shot off and the game was over. I remember that. And I remember them running 
drills during halftime. Those are the two things I remember from that game. See, I the the halftime drills thing. Even then, I forgot about that. Like I just I completely have blocked out last year out of my memory. I don't want to. I don't want to go back and watch any highlights of it. I don't want like this is going to be the last time that I talk about it with yeah, a microphone in front of it's my gonna face. It's going to be great. It's going to be and great. It, yeah, and you 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 put it great. Where it's time to turn the page. It's time to look forward. There's a lot to be excited about this year. Chief among them is that we get to go back and bring that atmosphere back. Because I tell you what, watching college football this season, I've gotten way more back more into it because of the crowds, the bands. The, the general atmosphere of game day is back. And that being back at UD is what I'm looking forward to most. And, you know, last season, yeah, we weren't good. And I think we realized it pretty early on that we weren't going to be doing anything substantial as we moved forward. But I think towards the end of the year, you started to see the growth from the guys that you wanted to see the growth from. And those guys were Zemi, Moose, Weaver left a little bit to be desired, but I think he could improve this year. And then you've got a lot of guys. I think Kobe Berea is due for a big breakout season this year from what I've been hearing of him in practice and him in the offseason. He has gotten tremendously better. And you're going to start seeing that consistent growth from players that need to step up. And I think you're going to start seeing it. Yeah. And um, last year was obviously made a whole lot harder by the year that preceded it. Uh, that shouldn't be lost on anybody. If last year it happened after an NIT season, I think that that would be way more palatable for people because you could take a step back and say, hey, these are kind of the same guys that made the NIT team. But unfortunately, we were coming off a year when we were one of the best teams in the country. We lost you know, probably our three out of four best players. But that's why it was so hard. You can't Take of you can't look at the view at the top of the mountain and then be equally impressed by the view three quarters of the way down the mountain, right? Um, and and that's why I thought it was interesting to kind of start there because we really did see a season last year that was different than any other season that we've seen before. But I do ask listeners this, and your point is not lost on me. If you were walking into the arena with two hundred people, would the game feel like it mattered to you? Why does the game feel like it matters to you? And I can answer that question quite succinctly. It feels like it matters because all the people around you are also acting like the game matters. And that might be a very grave way to look at things for people, but it's the God's honest truth. If Dayton basketball was averaging 3,000 people a night, you would not feel like it matters as much as it does. But we have the luxury of packing an arena of 13,000 people. And we have the luxury of going to that arena with 13,000 people with the majority of that crowd knowing, loving, and appreciating the game of basketball. And those things are what makes it feel like college basketball truly matters in Dayton, Ohio, even if the result of the game will not affect your day, your life, your paycheck, or anything along those lines. Now, okay, I do recognize that sometimes it does affect our paychecks here on the radio show because the radio show is more successful when the team is successful. I digress, Drew. I think you see what I'm getting at in that the people around you, the people in this community, the people that went to the school, the people that care about the program that are involved in those groups that I just mentioned, you know, those people care about Dayton basketball, and we always have from the 50s to the 60s to going from the arena or from the field house rather to the arena um, in every era, even in losing in winning people in Dayton have cared about this program and it's, it's success. 
And in turn, it's bred new generations of people that also care because they feel like it matters because all of the people around them also care. Is that, I mean, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, down here in Cincinnati, there are, are quite a few of Dayton grads, not, not as many as you see in Ohio State and things like that, but there's a good contingent of Dayton people down here in the Queen City. And the ones that I've run into, more and more of them, as we get closer and closer to the season, they always ask me like, no, I'm excited for basketball again. I'm excited for Dayton to be back. And it feels like there is a legitimate, there's some juice to this season. I, we, could, we tried to manufacture some juice for last season, but this year it feels, yeah, it feels palpable. It feels <laughs> like did. palpable juice going into the season. And I'm excited <clears> to go back to the arena, but not only just that, I'm excited to go to like the Dayton bar here in Cincinnati and watch the away games. I know. And be with, you know, be Glass with Scott's, Dayton baby. people. Come to right? Glasgow. Like you have Glasgow in Chicago. We have O'Brien's here in Cincinnati. If anyone from Cincinnati is listening to this, O'Brien's in O'Brienville. That's where the Dayton games are watched in, in Cincinnati. So please, I, I implore anyone out out there in Cincinnati to come to come join join up, but it does feel like there. Like I said prior, there is palpable juice going into the season, and for that I am thankful. Yeah, and that's that's not going to be specific to Dayton. Thankfully, um, you know that'll probably be across the board in college basketball. I think people will just be a little bit more Certainly. fired up to go to games. Um, at home, people will be a little bit more fired up to go back to their game day rituals. Um, you know whether you're grabbing a pizza at Marion's or, you know, having a pint at Flanagan's. If you're having lunch at Milano's or you're even at Tim's pregame with us for a radio show, I think it's going to be great to get back to those preseason routines um, because you know, I'll, I'll be honest, when we had our first couple of pregame shows at Tim's, I mean, it was weird. There was white plastic all over the place and there was you know tables of students that were separated by like dividers and um, you know, we pressed on. We had a show because that's what we felt like we should be doing. But it, it never it never felt normal, like Larry said to me a few months back. Um, but thankfully, you know, we've gotten over the hump. And, you know, the thing I'll finish up here, Drew, before we go to the break is you knew last season was going to be rough for us when I was kind of putting on my best Stephen A. Smith. And, and I didn't do, I want to be honest with listeners. I did not do it for the clicks or the listens, okay? I was legitimately pissed about what was going on on the floor and how low the program had stooped, you know, losing to Foreman LaSalle in that point of the season. But I, you know, I did embellish probably a little bit so that people would keep listening to us and stay engaged at least a little bit. But when you get to the end of a season like that, it's there's just no juice to to be wrong because there's no story. You know, people don't yep. care about a loser as much as we love our team and love the Flyers and blah blah blah. People care when we're winning, and people care a lot less when we're not. Right? Absolutely, and that's that's the nature with any sports team. You know, you start winning, <clears throat> people start showing, and that's what you want. And obviously, we are we're we're a loyal bunch. We'll we'll show even when it's it's not going great, but. When when you're winning, the the podcast listens go up, ticket sales go up, beer sales go up. It helps the businesses in the area. General good vibes going around. So that's what that's what we're looking for this season. We're looking for the good vibes. We're all the bad vibes the left left back in 2020. We're all about the good vibes here. Now. 
We are about good vibes here on Talking Out Loud, but we will continue to be steadfast in our commitment of telling it like it is. Indeed. That's a, that's a great place for us to go to the break. You're listening to Talking Out Loud here with Sully and Drew, available where you listen to podcasts and on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton. We'll be right back. Actually, I forgot right before we go to the break where we have Jonathan Macri on uh, from Nick's Film School. Be right back. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud in podcast format and on ESPN Radio 1410 in Dayton. Great to have you back on the program. Special guest joining the program tonight. He is at JC Macri. That's M-A-C-R-I. NBA at JC Macri. NBA on Twitter. He goes, Jonathan Macri is his name. And he goes by the dean of the Knicks Film School. You can actually find them as well on Twitter at Nick Film School. SK. O-O-L. And the only reason that Dayton Flyers fans would want to find him on Twitter or want to know about his thoughts on Knicks fandom is because the Knicks, of course, have one of our very own Obi Toppin. So we welcome Jonathan to the program. It's your first time on the program, but you guys had me on your show last year. So this is a, a return of the favor that has, you know, it's a long time in the making here, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I you know what? I think uh, the good vibes that you brought to the Knicks Film School podcast when you came on to talk about Obi Toppin a year ago is what has uh, propelled him to have the nice success that he has had with the New York Knicks. Um, it just took a little while, right? Because as I'm sure you guys know, his rookie season started off um, a little slowly, but now that he's actually getting more of a chance to play, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that, um, it's been nothing but good things so far from Obi Toppin. That's what we like to hear, man. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. Again, Jonathan Macri, you can follow him at JC Macri NBA on Twitter uh, if you would like to keep up with Nick's film school. And, you know, I've been learning a little bit about Nick's fandom here and there. Um, and the first thing that I have noticed is that you guys have a lot, a lot of coverage on everything. I mean, I would say like the internet, like Twitter, there's Facebook, there's YouTube channels. I mean, there's like three YouTube channels just for the Knicks. I think I've been like super blown away at the amount of coverage, but I was curious now that I'm a little bit more familiar with Knicks fandom. Like, how did you separate yourselves? How did you make your site successful in the midst of so much muck? And I say that because I think our show was kind of first to the punch and then we did it well. And so nobody else has kind of moved in, but you have kind of like capitalized on a crowded market and, and really carved out your own share. I think it's just, honestly, you have to catch, um, I don't want to say catch a nerve within the fan base, but 
Um, you definitely have to, you know, carve out your niche and then try to do it as well as possible. So we, we, you know, I think when I got into it, it was a lot of hot takes and, um, stuff that, you know, it was, it was a lot of people just saying the thing that they thought fans wanted to hear. And to me, that wasn't terribly interesting. Um, and I was more like, look, occasionally I might say some stuff that's not popular, but it's going to be genuine and no, no one who ever hears anything I say or reads anything that, that, that I write is going to question, um, you know, the time that I put into the analysis or whether it's genuine. Um, and then I think, you know, that's the other part of it is like, obviously I do a daily newsletter in addition to the podcast and the stuff that we do on YouTube. So like, I'm always digging for stats. I'm always rewatching film. And like, you know, it's, it's said sometimes that Knicks fans are like, or, you know, New York sports fans are like the smartest fans in sports. I don't know if that's hundred percent accurate, but I will say <laughs> you, you can't, it's tough to put one over on a New York sports fan. So when you're putting yeah. in the work to, to analyze the team that you cover here, I do think New Yorkers uh, tend to appreciate that and they tend to gravitate towards, towards coverage that does that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. And I think just being honest and being yourself goes a long way with any kind of radio or television audience, whether, you know, when you're trying to get content like we are. Um, but so for Dayton fans that aren't familiar, if you don't watch Knicks games, you know, admittedly, I don't watch a lot of Knicks games myself, which is why I wanted to have you on. But it, it seemed like last year, the tone of the team was that or the tone of the fan base, let's say, uh, was that people were kind of unhappy with Obi's usage. Um, so, you know, give Dayton fans kind of the synopsis of last year. And, I, and there's not a lot of like diehard Dayton fans that missed all of what happened last year in the NBA. But like, if you could summarize what happened to Obi last year in year one, you know, what would you say? Yeah, sure. I could, I could do it pretty briefly. I mean, it was, it's interesting when you look back at his rookie season, um, his highest minute total was in their very first game. Um, against the Pacers and Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Knicks, obviously after kind of flirting with some Randall OB small ball alignments in the preseason last year, uh, went to it a little bit in that first game. And then unfortunately OB got injured and he missed, um, a little bit of time and the, he never played as many minutes. Um, we hardly saw the Randall, uh, OB pairing again, and he was relegated strictly to being Julius Randall's backup. What I think changed the most over the course of the, the time that Obi was out, but really over the first month or two of the season, is Julius Randle turned himself into an MVP candidate. And, you know, he essentially became, um, you know, Tom Thibodeau's Jimmy Butler on this team, the guy that was going to be on the yeah. floor all the time, that he ran the offense through the whole thing. You know, and Obi kind of got the short end of that stick. And while there were fans certainly that held a position like, oh, you know, we wasted the draft pick, this and that. Um, it was impossible to escape the reality that, look, nobody thought Julius Randle was going to turn into this, for one. And two, you know, it's not fair of Obi Toppin to go from being in a situation where, like, I know he didn't technically lead the NCAA in usage in his second year at Dayton. But, like, for all intents and purposes, no offense ran their or no team ran their offense through a guy more than Dayton ran through Obi Toppin. So when you yeah. go from that to getting literally three, three and a half, four minute stints at a time, you know, first half, second half in the NBA, like, and, and you could tell he was trying to feel his way and it, it, you know, he'd have a flash here or there, but there was very rarely consistency. He went through a down period. Um, I would say maybe the second half of the year, 
And then something funny happened towards the end of the season, and he brought it into the playoffs when it seemed like some things started to click. And you couldn't necessarily tell just by looking at the numbers, um, but if you watched the games, you could tell he was starting to pick it up. And then we went from that into, you know, according to Tibbs, Aubi took like all of 48 hours off this offseason and then went right back <laughs> yeah. in the gym, uh, which is great. And that's part of the reason I think why fans are really starting to love him because they know he's a worker and they know he's in it for the right reasons. And then we saw what he did at Summer League. And, and now we're obviously uh, where we are here in the season. Yeah. And yes, year two Obi is a very real, real thing because it was kind of similar to what happened with him at Dayton. His first year, he he obviously popped off the screen in the Atlantic 10, you know, being that athletic and, and gifted. But it was the second year in college basketball for Obi is when he ascended into player of the year, you know, type caliber player. And now you can, you've seen it in the early part of this season where he's doing a lot of very good things. He's improving a lot. What is what are some areas of his game that he has tremendously improved on, and that you've seen through the per, like first three or four games? Um, you know, I hate to go with the, I hate to go with the stock answer that so often gets said when asked about like growth of young players, but I really do think with him it comes down to a certain modicum of confidence and feeling yeah. like, okay, I can do this. Um, yeah. like I belong at this level. I belong with these guys. Because there was a, a tentativeness that he played with last year that, again, I, I did, obviously, like you guys don't watch every Nick game. I didn't sit there and watch every Dayton game. But I feel like I watched enough tape of him to, to know, like, this is a guy who, who knew he was the best player on the court. That was not the case in his rookie year. Yeah. So he's playing with that, that assertiveness now. Um, I think uh, the Knicks, uh, in the moves that they've made and maybe a slight shift in mentality with in particular the second unit with Derek Rose is in there. Um, it, they play faster. And as you guys know, there's no better use of Obi Toppin than to get him out in space. Um, I know he shot it really well from two point range as a rookie, but I, I did not, I would not have said that I, his finishing was one of his strengths his finishing thus far this season has been absolutely outstanding. He's had several finishes around the rim with these little finger rolls and flip shots and things that like, there's just not many guys his size, you know, that, that can do that. Um, the shooting Makes him look easy, you know, he, he yeah. really does make it look easy. Um, yeah. The shooting hasn't from long range hasn't quite come around yet. That's fine. I'm, I'm still very high on his shot. And then the only other thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, I wrote it the other morning, the way he just moves around the court, at sometimes it rely it reminds me of like a ballet dancer because it's so smooth and he he really does like glide around out there, and then when he's on defense, which is what it's impressed me the most, he's almost like a boxer in that he's like bobbing and weaving, bobbing and weaving. He's never flat footed, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he'll get you for a steal. He'll be in a passing lane. You know he's had a couple of nice blocks on the year, um, and he's he doesn't seem to ever be out of position. Uh, you know, save for like a couple of times where someone has snuck back door on him uh, this year, I would mm-hmm. say his defense has been at the very least above average, um, both in the team concept and even uh, even the other night against Jalen Suggs, who, you know, Jalen Suggs, pretty, pretty good player. Uh, Suggs tried to take him one on one. He stuck with him every step of the way and ended up blocking a shot. Like, that is not something I expected to see from Obi Toppin, um, you know, after he was drafted. Talking to Jonathan Macri here, Dean of the Knicks Film School. You can find them Knicks Film School, SK 
O-O-L on Twitter. Um, and your point's well taken, Jonathan, is like, uh, you know, when, when I have interviews on here on Talking Out Loud and I interview former Dayton players, one of the first things I always ask them is, when was the moment when you knew you belonged at this level? And you just said it like whether it's college or NBA, there is still that moment that each guy has to have. And, you know, sometimes it happens in the first game. Sometimes it happens in your third year. Um, It's really different for every guy. And it does come down to that like level of confidence. And every guy gives me kind of a, a different answer, you know, of like, oh, you know, we were in the first game and I hit five shots and I was like, you know what? I belong at Dayton. And some guys were like, you know, I was really sputtering. The coach was working with me. And then around conference play, I turned it around. So, yeah, points well taken that it definitely I, I'm sure it takes NBA guys just as long, if not longer, to, to get acclimated. Um, and especially now in, in today's NBA, when there are so many guys going in at such a young age comparative to when they used to go in. But um you know, it has not stopped uh, the NBA fans or Knicks fans specifically from being rabid. And we did see a very rabid video that we're <laughs> going to have to play on the podcast. It's not suitable for radio, but I had to ask you, because if you're listening to the podcast, I'll play the audio. Double fucking overtime. What the fuck, baby? New York is fucking back. Knicks are here, baby. The Knicks are fucking here, baby. Fresh out the garden, baby. We're taking it all the way. We had De Blasio. We had Cuomo. It was rough shit. But we have the Knicks. The New York Knicks run New York City. <laughs> Bing bong. Tell me a little something, KD. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks. Don't you regret not coming to the Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Let's go, Knicks. Let's go, Nick! Real talk, I'm from New York, and you know what? Tom Brady's a fucking bitch! Fuck Tom Brady, yo! Fuck Tom Brady! Where the bread at, Tom Brady? I need some bread, nigga, he owe me! Fuck Boston! <laughs> yo, you thought Trey Young was still good? He still ain't good at Dyke, man! You smoking on that Boston pack tonight, you heard? Fuck Trey Young! Fuck Trey Young! Fuck Trey Young! Fuck Trey Young! After I watched this video, and it's uh, by a person named Side Talk, if you want to go check it out on YouTube, and it's just titled Nick Season Opener. And it's a bunch of guys like screaming into a microphone outside of Madison Square Garden. So my question to you was, is there just a group of people after every Knicks win, like yelling random obscenities outside the garden? Like, is that <laughs> is that a thing or is that was that just like stage? Like, I really no, need to know. That, that was that was not stage. Well, so for anybody who doesn't know, it happened after a Boston game that um, game was, one, game one. But you, you could. <laughs> Listen, you can watch basketball for 20 years and not see a game quite like uh, game one of the Boston. True. We don't, we don't have to get into the ins and outs of it, but it was, it was a very yeah. unique game. And I think, you know, they're, they're, this season for a lot of Knicks fans, especially a lot of older Knicks, well, I shouldn't even say that because there are a lot of younger Knicks fans who have never gotten a chance to, to watch a good team um, or maybe the, like just the 2012-13 team, which is really the only – um, you know, good team they've had in the last 20 years before last season. So last season kind of took folks by surprise. And then this offseason, obviously, they had Kemba Walker. They had uh, Evan Fournier. You know, the young guys get a little bit older. Um, this, is, this is all to say there was so much building up to that season opener that when they <laughs> won it in the way that they did, like what you saw, that was genuine. Like there was no Oh, I know it's oh, genuine. Yeah. You, know, you can't fake that kind of reaction. You can't fake that. <laughs> no, 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 nothing about that was fake. So it's you know what? People have been waiting a, people want to love the Knicks. Um and people have been waiting a long time 
to just be able to do that. So to have a reason to love the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. and I'll say, and then the last thing I'll say, and this honestly ties really. It, this is what Obi is to me to this team. He is a representation of that. Um, he is always smiling. As, again, as you guys know full well, um, he he always he he seems to relish being in this environment, in this moment, having this chance to do what he's doing. Um, and I think the Knicks fans feed off of that, which is why, like, look, does, are there Knicks fans who think he's the best player on the team? No, I don't, I don't know about that. But the reason they're changing Nobody's is, asking him to be either. No, and he doesn't need to be. That's the best part. Um, but but they can tell um, his energy and how much he genuinely loves it, which is why you hear them chanting his name. And again, that is a that is an honor that is not bestowed upon a, a lot of Knicks, but they uh, they've given it to him. Well, he can dunk the ball, man. I mean, I think I, I like to think that I would speak for uh, fans of the Knicks and saying that they love a good jam just as much as we do in Dayton, Ohio. And nobody does it quite like him. I agree with that. No one, no one does it like him. So I got one final question here. Obviously, a lot of hype going going into the New York Knicks this season with the additions that you mentioned. What's the ceiling? Oh, uh, a lot of fans asked me that over the off season. I was. I was always hesitant to proclaim like they're going to be like a three seed or a four seed or whatever it is. My my view always was after the top two teams in the East, obviously Milwaukee and the Nets. I thought the Net, the Knicks had a chance to be at the top of the next group. I also thought they could go out, play a good year, and be the fifth seed or the sixth seed or maybe even the seventh seed because I think the middle. The, or let me rephrase that: the top half of the middle of the East is that good. Um, do I think there's a possibility they could get a three or a four seed? Absolutely. Um, would a lot have to go right? Uh, sure. But I think the big thing for us at this point is, okay, they made the playoffs last year. Can they actually get in there and, you know, if not win a series, really compete because, you know, for as much as we loved that last year, last year's team, that, that Atlanta series was a bloodbath. It was not close. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember I, that one. I did watch that much. Yeah, yeah, I, and I and I think what the goal is, you know, I, I I don't know what exactly it has to be, but like get in there, do some damage, maybe you mess around and win a series, and then uh, you know onwards and upwards from there, hopefully. Yeah, some Dayton Flyer fans have taken to the betting streets in support of your New York Knicks. So my <laughs> final question before you let we let you go on talking out loud is uh, over under forty five wins. Where do you have the Knicks? I, I'll, I'll do. I'll go over. I think I said forty seven before the season began. I'm feeling pretty good about that after after the three and one start. So uh, we got a tough one in Chicago. Uh, on Thursday night. If they could get that, I'll, I'll feel even better about it. That'll be a good one. I'll be tuning into that one. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> That's Jonathan Mackey from Knicks Film School. Again, you can check him out, JC Mackey NBA on Twitter or at Knicks Film S K O O L. Either way, you can check him out if you want Knicks coverage or to see some OB highlights because there's a lot of OB jamming highlights going down on Twitter still these days. Uh, so, Jonathan, thanks for joining the program, man. We will have to do it again very soon. Really appreciate you having me, guys. Thanks so much. You're listening to Talking Out Loud here wherever you listen to podcasts and on 1410 ESPN Radio in Dayton.
And welcome back to Talking Out Loud with Sully and Drew. Finishing up the segment tonight, talking about the Dayton Flyers, of course. And you just heard from Jonathan Macri at Knicks Film School. Go check out his work. One of my favorite guys in uh, the Knicks uh, internet sphere. Um, and he, he knows his stuff, which is why we have him on. Um, for the last segment tonight, going to jump into trivia, which Drew has kindly provided for all of us. Okay, so a lot of the discussion has been the return to the arena and the arena and the atmosphere itself. So, Sully, Dayton last played a game with a full crowd, capacity crowd that mattered on March 7th, 2020. They opened back up on November 9th, 2021. How many days has it been? will that be between games that mattered with a full crowd? Oh, man, that's so hard. Uh, so, like, I, I mean, I'm ballparking this off of, off of cold back-of-the-napkin math. Uh, let's go with 562. So it'll be 612 days. Yeah, right. I was in the ballpark. You're in the ballpark. 612 days will be how long? And I picked this question because I actually wanted to know how many days it's been since I have been, since I will have been back to the arena when I go back in on November 9th and 612 days, it feels, it feels like a thousand. Well, it's probably going to be the longest stint that you've ever done ever, uh, ever. Yeah, ever easily, easily, because I mean, it requires missing an entire season worth of games. And I, I haven't hadn't missed a UD game in at all in my life until until last year, obviously, because I physically Here couldn't go. go. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about that when you brought it up before we got on the show tonight. Um, growing up outside the area, I, I, there probably were seasons when I did not go the entire year. They were few and far between, but I would probably be a little bit disingenuous if I said I made it to every season at least once. You know, sometimes it was just hard. Um, you know, it, it was just a different yep. environment back then. But okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, Again, UD season 12 days away as of the time of this release when they take on UIC. We've been talking about it a lot, man. It, it feels like it's been a long preseason. And this year, for some reason or another, and, and maybe this is just me getting way down into the rabbit hole of college basketball media, but the previews this year have been just terrible, terrible. And, <laughs> I, and I've gotten really sick of listening to previews to things because if you're not talking about a specific team that people care about, people tend to lose interest in it. And I, I think that our show is no different. Like if I started rattling off all the names of the, the players on slew or Bonaventure or Richmond, people would just be like, yawn, get on with it, man. That like, that's not why you come to our program. You want to hear about Dayton and how things are related to UD. Um, but my question for you, Drew is, you know, what are you looking forward to the most? Is there a small aspect that you're looking forward to the most? Just seeing a game with people. Cause for me, the game day being back in a normal game day is paramount. Number one, being in the arena will be great going up to the flight deck. Always love doing that as well. But the before and after, you know, like the hanging out at Milano's with the gang at the bar before we go over, you know, seeing it fill up with red sweaters, you know, going into Flanagan's after the game when it's still packed and, you know, John Bedell and Tisdale or Keith or Brooks are on the mic. Those are the things that I love, you know, and we, we started this show with it talking about the community and the people around you. And I do hate to say that I am not looking forward to the game the most. But it really does bring my point full circle to illustrate it in that the community and the game day experience that we have fostered as Dayton Flyers really is more important to me because 
it's why you come together. I can't tell you how many times over the years I hear that people come together just because they want to watch the Flyers. So, Drew, I am looking forward to the game day experience. If you see me, you know, walking around in Flannies, Milano's, please say hey. You know, we'll clink glasses and en- enjoy a cold one because we're ready to get back to basketball. But sorry, I-, I belabored that point. But what are you looking forward to the most? I, I'm right there with you. the The atmosphere of game day being on being on campus. If it's a if it's a Saturday, you know, the, the, the students are back out having fun, getting to walk around. Alumni get treated like royalty around there, you know, around these parts. It, it, it's infectious. It is an infectious kind of, it's hard to explain. It, it's really hard to explain, but the, the games, the smell of the roasted nuts. I, we've heard, back. we've heard that those, that's going away. I can't believe I, it. I think I here's the thing. They can take it away, but I think the smell so ingrained in there in, in my brain that when I walk in, my brain is just gonna instantly I smell it anyway. Think, <laughs> smell it anyway. Like they yeah. Well here and here's the thing. The roasted nuts, I, I've smelt them my whole life. I don't think I've ever had them. I don't think I have either. I don't think I've ever ordered them, but they smell amazing. I never you, eat them. If you have had the roasted nuts, please uh get onto our Twitter or Facebook page and let us know. Um, yeah, give us a score between one and ten on how good they were. I, w- I would actually like to, to know about that. Um, what's your go-to meal around the arena? Oh, around like well, you know, like like before the game, after the game, like what is your go-to? And see, I've had to make this decision a lot, um, uh, a lot more rigidly than you have because when I come into town, I'm there for like 24 hours, so I only get like two meals total. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I always have to pick and choose, but everybody knows this about me, and that's why they sponsored the show, and I'm currently wearing this hoodie right this second as I record this this interview. I did not realize this until I started talking, <laughs> but my go-to is a full cheesesteak from Milano's with everything. That's my go-to. Yep, I'm, I'm Milano's, just the restaurant in general. Whatever I get, I get you know a sub, maybe a calzone. Uh, their appetizers are very good. Uh, yeah, Milano's is probably my favorite pregame meal. Uh, post game, I love going to Flanagan's post game. Yeah, uh, Flanagan's post game is is where it's at, especially after big wins. The the elect the electricity in that bar is, oh, is something else. It's unmatched. When, especially yeah, especially unmatched. when when the the guys who have you know been had the meal at Milano's had a couple cold ones at the game get to get to Flanagan's have a couple more cold ones and then the, <laughs> the hot take mic. Uh, gets 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 green lit and some guys get on the microphone just to start spouting some nonsense. Uh, it's that's what I'm looking forward to most, and it, it's just being able to share Dayton basketball with everybody again. Last year, I had to watch games completely closed away in my house with no one else to watch them with except my brother or my family on the odd occasion. But uh, I that had to wasn't watch fun games. either. Yeah, yeah, it, it wasn't, and like I would just I'd sit here in my small bedroom just screaming out at the top of my lungs at at this freaking team and I'm just, I'm just happy to, I'm just can't wait to, to share it with everybody else again. Yeah. A couple of scheduling notes that uh, we now are privy to because UD released the game times for just about all the games, um, except basically the ones that we don't know about at Thanksgiving. And then there's uh, a Friday night game that's supposed to be on ESPN two. We're not sure about the time, but the rest of the times have been released, um, which, uh, brought up an interesting discussion in my group chat of Dayton alumni of what your favorite game time is. You can stew on that for a second, Drew, while I give some of the updates. 
So if you hadn't seen the schedule, hadn't gone to it yet, you're just listening to our program or hearing us on the radio. Um, Dayton's all their home games for the most part are going to be at 7 p.m. Eastern. For some reason, their first Saturday night game against Lowell on November 13th is going to be a 6 p.m. game. And all their weeknights, like I said, seven o'clock. And then they have a handful of Saturday, Saturday and Sunday games at two. So here in the non-conference, Austin P comes on Saturday the 20th. That's a two o'clock game. Northern Illinois on December 4th, Saturday, that is also a two o'clock game. And then the Virginia Tech game, we're waiting for that one. Uh, I was really waiting for that one. That will be Sunday, December 12th at two o'clock, right in the middle of NFL football. I believe your Browns have a game that day. True. Play the, we're supposed to play the Baltimore Ravens at one that day. I'm hoping for a, I'm hoping for a Sunday night football flex, but I don't know if I'm going to get it. I don't know if you're going to get it. So, so. Uh, Dayton plays at two for that one. And then uh, the Saturday night game at Old Miss uh, will be at 630 Eastern before Dayton closes out the non-con Tuesday night, December 21st. That was also a seven o'clock game. Drew, my question was, what is your favorite game time on the weekends? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I've changed on this a couple of times over the years, but I'm a big fan of like a four o'clock Saturday game. And we never have a whole lot of those anymore. They're generally at two. And it's mainly because if I drive in the morning and I leave from Chicago, you leave at like 630, you're getting to Dayton at like noon. You're kind of rushed. You know, you lose the hour. You're yep. rushed because you need to have some brews. You got to have your meal and then boom, boom, boom. You're over to the arena. I love that four o'clock. And then, you know, Saturday nights at seven. I know it's good for some people. For me, not crazy. It's, it kind of takes away your whole night. You know, by the time the game's over, you get somewhere. It's like 10 o'clock and night's basically over, you know? Yeah. Mine is Saturday in the two to four window. Yeah. That's like any two, three, four o'clock anytime in there. Noon's a little too early. Two is... It's early, but it gives you enough time. You might have to wake up a little bit earlier if you want to get a good buzz going before you get to the arena. But I will say, when I was in school, there was no atmosphere like that Friday night game. Oh, no. And there still isn't. No, and there still isn't. The Friday night sock hop games were always ones because you get out of class at like 3, 4 o'clock. And right when you get done with class, you start start pre-gaming. You start getting ready. You get over to the arena about – you know, say 645, 7 o'clock, 730 for that 8 o'clock tip-off. And those games were always – and even when Dayton was on the road, those nights were always a lot of fun because you could go to just about any house on campus. The game would be on. People would be getting loud with W. And so that's where, like, the Friday night sock hop kind of stands off on its own. But Saturday 2 to 4 window is probably where I lean. I hate Sunday games. I hate them. Yeah, no, they're they're awful. And obviously, we had to do the Sunday game probably for television um, purposes. You know, there's no, there's like nothing on ESPN on Sundays in December, um, and, and so I'm sure that's why they had to do it and they had to move it off Saturday. You know, you're not going to compete with whatever college football is on. I think that's the week after conference championship, so it might be like a down week. But regardless. Dayton had to move that Virginia Tech game to Sunday, and I'm glad they did because at least they got the game uh, on ESPN or one of the ESPN networks. We're not sure of it yet. But if you are uh, planning on one of those Friday games this year, unfortunately, I do have bad news. The only Friday game that Dayton is going to be playing on the schedule besides the Thanksgiving tournament uh, is going to be against uh, Rhode Island. Um, They have a Friday night game against Rhode Island on January 28th. That time is TBD, and that game will be on ESPN2. Otherwise, you will not see Dayton in that A10 slot on Friday night this season on ESPN. I've got a question. You know, yeah. I've got a question. 
how how does the A10 determine who plays on Friday night? Because obviously not everybody gets one. Not well, obviously they try to have a marquee game that's like their best game of that week. And right. You know, it, and, so, and here's the thing. They largely base it off of like the year before and who they think is going to be good. And so that's kind of why they gave right. the shaft is because of last year. I guess where I'm at is. I wish college sports and I'm not this isn't just directed at the Atlantic 10, although I've got a laundry list of issues with them. Is that college sports like flexing games and game times They that just doesn't happen. And I get it. There's a lot of TV contracts and logistics and things that I don't understand, which is fine. I get it. But I just wish they could be a little bit more fluid, especially towards the back half of the conference season with these Friday night games. I agree. Because if Dayton, like if Dayton is as good as we think we can be, and we've got a game, like let's just say for sake of example, like uh, St. Louis, uh, February 5th, uh, Saturday. Saturday, a two o'clock game. Why can't that like, if that game is is good and you know like Dayton St. Louis, two of the best teams in the conference, even though they're playing Saturday, like on that Monday, be like, look, we're gonna move this game to, to ESPN Friday night and what you know, St. Joe's and George Mason, that would never be the Friday marquee game, but just for sake of example, yeah. it's like you guys are getting put on Saturday, like flexing like the NFL does. I guess I just don't understand why that can't be a thing. And uh, there's probably people will probably correct me on this, which is fine, but I just I that's my whole big issue with it is that I wish they could be a little bit more flexible with who plays in these Friday night games. And you got to have the set schedule. I get it. But towards the back end of the season, like when you get halfway through the conference schedule, I wish that would just kind of be a floating like on Monday, the A-10 announces, all right, this is going to be the Friday night game. Or for the following Friday, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, your your point is very validated. Like last year, look how quickly they were able to shift and move games. Now a lot of that was largely due to the fact they didn't have crowds to worry about. But you did see how quickly these schools can mobilize and move game times if they really want to. So there, there's validity on both sides of this argument. But I think it does lean one way in saying if if they did want to come up with a flex schedule. They could probably make it happen. Um, they'd need to give ESPN obviously more time, you know, than than a week. But it, it's something that's possible. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight, man. We're so glad that uh, the preseason is basically over with. Uh, Dayton takes on Cedarville. That will be Monday, November first, and that game time is going to be seven o'clock uh, at UD Arena for your first taste of the Flyers. I hope we see a lot of guys, a lot of butts leaving the bench, and uh, a lot of guys getting minutes. You know, I'd love to see everybody play some minutes, which is usually um, the extent and the uh, the purpose of having an exhibition game. Uh, really excited next week. Got two guests. We're going to have a nice long show being our last one before the season kicks off. We will welcome on our buddy Dayton Flyers, famous alumni Brooks Hall onto the program. And I will also be joined by another famous Dayton Flyers alumni who played Major League Baseball and just recently retired. And his name is Jerry Blevins. They're both going to be joining the program next week. So we got a nice long one for you. Uh, it might even go an hour and a half. Drew. It could. Ooh. Um, it could go an hour and a half with two guests. We'll see. But uh, for now, we're going to sign off until next Thursday when we will have an exhibition to talk about. Drew, give them the two rules. Wear red and be loud, folks. And we will catch you next week. See you then.
bit hot tonight I can barely see the road from the heat coming up Reach down between my legs Ease the seat back When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.